that's why we purposely did not talk about ministry stuff on, I think, Tuesdays. Tuesdays were our, our date days and our family days. And, like, we basically would do, we would basically try to go out, mm-hmm. go to a cafe, uh, go walk in the park, yeah. um, whatever we could do that was only us. And we're not saying don't talk about God. We're not saying, like, for a whole day, don't be Christian. <laughs> like, oh, yeah. No, not We're at saying, all. like, God exists outside of that ministry yeah. title. Like, you know what I mean? Like, you can have a good, healthy relationship and not focus, you know, keep your attention on a ministry or the people in that ministry. Because a lot of times, you do feel responsible to help people to take their phone call. And that's another thing. I told my husband... I don't want you taking calls after 11. You know, I don't want you taking calls to talk about the worship the next day. I mean, like, and I feel like that sounds maybe controlling now, but I still stand by that. Like, I really do feel like you do have to set boundaries in your home life. Text messages that, (laughs) yes, exactly. Like, no, yeah, it was good. And that was something I was very adamant about because... He was more, I mean, he loves, I, we both love ministry, but he loves planning and <laughs> researching and, you know, figuring things out. I mean, he's very creative in that way. So I think it was difficult for him when I said, I don't want you to do that after 11 o'clock. I, like, I mean, what like, what do we do? Like, <laughs> yeah, it's like, well, what am I supposed to do with my time? Like you can like stop your brain, tell your brain, stop planning, stop working, and just sit here with me and, and talk, talk to me and stare at me <laughs> <laughs> and, and look at the way I, I don't know. But that was enough. I mean, like, and like I said, like this may not be for everybody. You may not have this issue uh, or you may not think it's a bad thing. But in our relationship, because my husband can work on ministry and, and all things, anything regarding ministry, like nonstop if he could. Because he just constantly has this brain that's working and thinking and figuring stuff out. But I really had to say, like, look, like, you can wait until tomorrow. They can wait until tomorrow for you to discuss what songs you're going to do for worship or what um, the scriptures you're going to use for tomorrow or next week or whatever. What sermon series are I mean, like, next. everything, yep. everything and anything, like... We had to make sure that our home life was, like I said, like not completely intertwined, that we did not know how to separate it. But there were times that, that like, and I think we did, we would discuss it, that if there was a major event or like something coming up, that it would be like, okay, babe, yeah, that I'm going to be up the late. Window. Yeah. I'm going to be getting up in the morning, going right over to the church or... So there yeah, were I mean, times. Yeah, but it you wasn't have to like, have like a realistic yeah. boundary. It was it was sense. setting boundaries. I think that's what it was. Setting yeah. boundaries mm-hmm. to say like this is okay, this is not okay, mm-hmm. um, and it was good. And I think like um, it, the the boundaries are good all the way through. Um, boundaries are good for you. Period. As a couple, like we talked about, not sharing things. Like I strongly suggest. Like I said not sharing things to your parents even if they are the pastors and like I said if you're in, if you're a pastor's kid you should leave your dad's church <laughs> um, uh, but it was also wow. something uh, having discretion in marital issues mm-hmm. uh, one of the things that I would say that I I would see and even still kind of hear of now is there's a like let's say a, a married couple they're younger maybe and they use like their marital issues on the platform without permission from each other. So say like, it's for example, let's just say um, 
I don't know, say Vanessa did something and I used it in a sermon that following Sunday without asking her, without telling her, um, you know, I just used it in the sermon because it was it was going to go good with the sermon. Um, I think making sure that you set some boundaries that you you have to discuss those things like you can't use your spouse as an example and then be as shocked as everyone else that you're talking about something that happened in the home <laughs> the day that they're saying it in front of everybody. Now, I kind of learned that just growing up. Um, I think my dad kind of just taught me that. and um, But it was something that we just didn't do. And I think like that's a big deal. But that's part of the setting boundary stuff. And um, Tuesdays were our date days. We didn't talk about anything from church. Mm-hmm. I mean... And like Vanessa said, we still talked about God. We still talked about, you know, our faith. Um, but it was also like, um, hey, babe, what's your favorite color? Because <laughs> like we legit, like we were still learning how to be married. Yeah. Um, I think we we just wanted to know each other. And then even like, I think uh, uh, somebody called me the what if king. I would throw out these scenarios to her as we're walking. Like, okay, so what if? You know, like you could pick any house in the world. <laughs> yeah. And it was just really to get to know her. Like, what would she choose? Would she choose this place or this place? You know, and um, that was those were our boundaries in our date days and date nights. And that also is a good segue into we wanted to mention that making sure that you allocate money for those date nights, like making sure. OK, so, for example, you're going to put money aside you're going to put your tithe money aside. You're going to put your rent money aside. Uh, you know, when you look at the ministry, you're going to make sure that uh, the, the budget is, is there for the year. The budget is there for utilities, uh, instruments, equipment, you know, this and that. But the thing is that when it comes to your date nights, you're like, you know, kind of it's kind of chump change. It's like, oh, well, we can't really do that because uh, we don't have enough money. So it was kind of like we, we wanted to do our best to make sure we had at least some money to go get a coffee or go get hot chocolate. Yeah, I mean, especially because we were missionaries, I think we really, we needed to be accountable in where the money went. I think most people, you know, they understand that. But in our marriage, like I said, like it, the whole, the whole beginning was just living off support. Yeah. And so we had to learn how to budget, allocate, and make sure that we were taking our marriage seriously enough that we would say we need to put money aside for this one day a week that we go and we just hang out together. And yeah, sometimes it was like a whole full day of spending money and other times, depending on the season or the time of the year, it was just maybe going out for coffee or going to the market and buying, you know, an extra dessert or I don't know, like little things like that or chocolate. Like we bought, we ate so much chocolate, I think, when we lived in Europe, more than we do now because the chocolate was a lot better. But there were some cool places that we found. Do you remember that place with the fireplace? And uh, it was off the side street on, um, it was uh, Puhavim or Puhavim, a Holy Spirit road. That narrow like stairway? Yeah. (gasps) Do you remember that place? Was, Was it Ovi Cook? No. It had a fireplace in it. The it pot place? Really, the pots, uh, pottery, not pot. Pottery. No, oh. no. Um, there was an English, a British uh, guy who would come visit Estonia. 
And, oh, and then he showed us this place. Oh, they had that honey chicken. Yes. Oh, and and this good. place was awesome, man. Because yeah. let me tell you why. <laughs> it was it was the cheapest place you could eat in the old town. And it was... I don't know about the cheapest. Well, because there's that pancake. Yeah, that's true. I take yeah. that back. It wasn't the cheapest. I'm exaggerating. But it was for dinner. It was super cost efficient. But it was also romantic. Yeah, that's what that's what made it so dope. It was this like awesome little spot, uh, right in the old town, to- cobblestone streets. Um, you walked in, and it's super small, super cozy. And there's a fireplace going mm-hmm. in winter, and um, yeah, candlelit dinner, just really mellow. And we 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 started going there. I remember that was huge for me because I was like, dude, this is awesome. Like, like we get to do this, you know. And so those nights were awesome to me, especially because like we, you know, like she said, we didn't have a lot of money, but we found this place that we could actually go to and have dinner mm-hmm. once a month or, you know, whatever. But um, yeah, making sure you allocate date night money is important because what you allocate money for shows its importance. And when you don't think about it or it's an afterthought of like, oh yeah, also it kind of shows that you don't really care about it. And I think like putting money aside is to say like, no, like this is, we do this. This is part of it. This is part of our budget, part of our routine. We do this. And so, um, and I think that's important because you need those nights because you, you are able to break out of the, um, I don't want to say pressure, but I feel like it's the only appropriate word, but the, like, you know, we want to talk about that there's, there's a pressure to produce, Mm -hmm. especially as missionaries. You feel like I have to show something. Now, this is unhealthy. Uh, it, the pressure to produce for anybody in ministry. For anybody in ministry, uh, the pressure to produce is actually an unhealthy kind of uh, state of being because, like, what happens is that you feel like you have to do something. You have to make something happen, and so I've I've seen this. With my own eyes, um, I've seen missionaries uh, go do an event or take a trip or, you know, do something with another church, take a picture and then send that back to their supporters to say, like, look what we're doing. And it's like, wait, what? Like, that's that's not what you're doing. Like, you were just there. But the thing is that they had this pressure to produce to show that they were doing something. And I feel like that's that's what we're saying with like the marriage and ministry thing. Don't let them become the same thing because then that's your identity. And you feel like, well, I have to show that, you know, uh, this is what we're doing and, and it's a big deal. And then, you know, people this, people that. And, you know, I think I think I battled with that more than Vanessa. Or would you say we both battled with it? With having to produce something? Like, like feeling you had a pressure to show something. No, I mean, no, I think if anything, I always question that. Yeah. Because, I mean, I think, yeah, like at some point I did feel that. But at the same time, I didn't like that we were always referred to as the missionaries. Because I felt like, what did you, I mean, like when you go up, you know, on stage or if you're going to visit churches and, you know, you know, things like that or talk about what you're doing in Europe. For us, 
Um, I preferred that they would just say, like, this couple, they're going to tell you what they're... I mean, like, I don't know. I just felt like any time the word missionary was thrown in there before or after our names, it just felt like, okay, then that's what I'm talking about. That one thing that they talk, you know, the, the ministry that we're doing, that's what they want to hear about. And a lot of times I felt like, don't people care about us as a family? Because to me, it was always a separate thing. But then again, it is hard to, like, on the other side, being a pastor, like, you bring in a couple... And they are there because they're missionaries and you're wanting to show that, hey, this is what we're part of. 50% of the time, it's not true. Because <laughs> it was just like, they just, they really weren't part of it. <laughs> no, you can't say that. Uh, I disagree. Okay, okay. We'll leave that in the podcast though, because yeah. Anyway, they the the idea was that they would present a couple in missions and for the reason of being there that, you know, they're missionaries. So, um, I would say though, that a lot of times I think, and like I said, in the beginning, relationships were centered around that. And so it is difficult to kind of understand, do we have like a real relationship or is it just like, you know, because we've, we're, this, is, this is a ministry. The ministry links us. Yeah, and, and we're connected that way. But that can also be a good thing. I think, like, we've met so many cool families. Like, oh, yeah. We've met some really great because friends. Because of that title out. and role. Yeah, so it's just, it works both ways. Like, there are times when, you know, you only have relationships because of the ministry. And there are times that you're grateful to the ministry because of those relationships that you were able to make. Yeah. yeah. But as far as, you know, your marriage goes... I think it's important that you're realistic with each other, that you're realistic with other people around you, that you're not putting on this facade because of the ministry. Like, as missionaries, you know, you could have asked me at any point, what's the hardest thing about being a missionary? And I could have listed, like, 30 things for you. I mean, I've had people that say, like, um, do you want to spend your rest of your life out there? And right away, like, no, I don't want to be out here the rest of my life. I mean, there was times where I remember Galwa and I would sit there in our apartment and just... Um, Think about all the food that we missed, all the Mexican food, the garden asada, chili cheese fries from Tams. I mean, just the fact that you can go out at any point of the night and get pretty much whatever food you wanted. <laughs> food. Yeah, it's, it's food, I mean, like, friends, family. Yeah, and so like so many things that we missed about being home and it just felt like it would be nice if someone asked us about us. Like, how is your marriage? Like, I know the missions is cool and everything. Okay, but okay. How's so on that note, how many pastors, to your recollection, asked us, how's your marriage? Um, I would say, like, maybe half. How many can you count, like, on your hand. I don't know. It's a long time to... I never kept count. Like, I have no idea. I'm just... In your in your most re- recent recollection. I'm not good at guessing like that. I'm <laughs> not, not going to say it's a, a number. I'm not going to say a number. <laughs> Let me tell you guys why. No, I'm just kidding. Okay. So, anyway, the point was, what I was going to make is that um, there, there was just, you know, you have that pressure to produce because a lot of the relationships are built off of, like, you know, you're a missionary couple... We're supporting you, so we need to see what we're supporting. And so you feel obligated to present something that's like, you know, uh, big or like, oh, you know, we reached, you know, a thousand people. Um, but I think in the end, like what I really tried to communicate was that it's continuity 
and it's even monotonous. It's staying consistent and being available. Like those were the biggest things that as a missionary you could do. Because what you're doing is you're sharing the gospel and you're discipling people. But the thing is that it's not a big extravagant experience most of the time. Like I know some missionaries who have done some some pretty awesome things, man. They did some events, you know, a couple thousand people showed up, you know, big big deal stuff. And then I know a lot more missionaries who it was like, man, we were there about five years and we reached about three people. And it's like, man, like people look at that and think like, oh, like, is that kind of a waste? Not at all. Not at all. Because like what they did was they, they modeled Christianity from a real world place. They taught it, they discipled. And, and then, you know, of course, multiplication comes into all that. But the idea is that when, when you feel like you have this pressure to produce, it becomes unhealthy because you, you feel obligated to present something to somebody that you're not really close with and you feel like, man, like I don't, I don't want to let them down. So I think a lot of the relationships that we valued more than anything were the ones that were like, like, oh, I don't really care about what you're doing. So like, tell me about you guys or, or let's talk about, you know, what's your favorite this, what's your favorite that. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it wasn't like, you know, hey, so how many people got baptized last year? And legit, the answers would usually be like three, two, one, no one. <laughs> like yeah. those were some of the answers. And it was like, um, it, it was just kind of like, that's just the reality of it. Estonia, even to this day, is one of the least religious countries in the world. And we were there the longest. And then in going into Germany is a different story. But basically what I'm saying is this, <clears throat> the, the relationships that we looked at and we, we looked at, man, these, these not only... These people not only are kind of like real, real world, real life people, they're friends. They're ministry people who are in ministry and understand the value of relationship versus the value of like, um, you know, what kind of presentation can I make with you guys? So relationships, I think, um, played a big role in marriage and ministry because I think some of our closest friends knew our marriage and ministry. Well, they knew us before we were. Yeah. So, so it was like real life, real world to them versus like it was, they knew our ministry and then a little tiny piece of our marriage. Yeah. And I think too, like you should also take into account that your marriage is going to withstand any ministry that you do because your ministry can shift. Your church, I mean, look at the pandemic. It's closed a lot of churches down. A lot of ministries aren't relevant, Any not relevant. A lot of ministries are not really possible or they just look very different. So I think if anything, we've learned that, you know, we didn't, like I said, we didn't plan to be out there as long as we did. But when we came back, thank God we didn't intertwine that with our marriage because we would have been stuck. Like, well, who are we if we were not missionaries? And that's very, very, very unhealthy. And it's de- it can be detrimental because you, I think you start to... Value yourself in those... Yeah, like you don't, you lose your value if you lose your ministry. And that's just not right. That's a very unhealthy mindset to have. So I would say like, if anything, you know, if anything, if you, if you're learning anything from this podcast, from this specific episode, is that your marriage is valuable with or without the ministry 
Yeah, and then in, a, in an international context, your marriage is extremely important. And not the way that uh, you sing or you do worship. None of that stuff matters if your marriage fails. And then too, like we also, we had this discussion a few times that if we felt like our marriage was not doing well. Like in real trouble. We would leave. We would yeah. leave the mission field at any point, regardless of where the ministry was at, regardless of how many people were there whether it was doing really, really well, or if it wasn't, if we both agreed that our marriage was in trouble or there was issues going on, we knew that we could both go home and work on the marriage only. And that was how we... And that, But that was also like, it wasn't going to matter what anyone else told us because we were going to say, we need help. Yeah, like we need to get out of the situation. Yeah. And and that's another thing. Like you have to have those. The boldness, I think. To yeah, really... the boldness to speak up for your marriage. I mean, even to say to your pastor, we can't take on another role. We can't do another service. We can't add another this because we don't have time to just be together. And it's so important that you learn that right away because whether you're you know overseas or whether you're here you know locally it doesn't matter because at some point your marriage is going to have to speak for itself you know because if your marriage is crumbling you know behind the scenes of that amazing ministry it's going to show up and it's going to be ugly yeah and it's not worth it to continue in a ministry when your marriage is not doing well and you know it i think like between the both of you you'll recognize like something's off or something's not going well and i I mean, I would always say, like, pick your marriage over your ministry any day. And it doesn't matter how well it seems to be going, because a lot of times I think that pressure to produce can win over and push aside what really is important. Yeah, and I think, too, like the, the old saying that, that goes, uh, if you want to go fast, go alone. If you want to go far, go together. And so... Um, I think when it comes to marriage and ministry, the international pros and cons, man, you know, there, there's a lot of good, a lot of challenging stuff. But um, in the end, I think for us, I would say this. If you have a if you're if you have a healthy, good start to your marriage, uh, premarital counseling, good examples around you, people you can confide in um, and there's an opportunity for you to step into a like a missional project internationally and it takes you out of the element of being around your friends and your family and your, your comfort and your norm. Uh, I would, I would say pray about taking, taking that step because I, I do not regret in any way going. And I actually believe that it actually helped our marriage. And I think you would agree, right? Yeah, I don't, I mean, it's hard to imagine what it would have been like if we didn't leave. Yeah, it would have been weird, like, I, I mean, think I, it just would have been weird. Yeah, like, I feel like we were called to leave yeah. right away, and I don't know why, and it's not really worth trying to figure that out, but I think for us, we, we, we did really well when we left, and... I think it's because we were so genuine about just wanting to serve, wanting to be obedient. And that'll show in any ministry that you do, in any context, wherever you are, when you're genuine about being obedient and you know that God's called you, these things, they fall into place. Yeah. You meet the right people that help you along the way and you 
learn to discuss things in a healthy manner and you have accountability that really is accountability. Yeah. And it's important that you have all those things because you need it. And I think one thing that we probably lack maybe even now or one thing I think that we're learning now is because before we had so much time together. So, you know, reading and praying together, I think was easier to do. But since we've been back um, and working full time and now we have two kids and like working full time is like huge jump. But in any case, I think like learning to keep that foundation intact because your life will change circumstances change kids you know start to add up and your time just kind of seems to not exist yeah i think too that's one of the pros is that you know in that missionary lifestyle we we had an ample amount of time and i thought that was such a good thing and a good season and a good chapter for us that i i do kind of miss i do miss having that time like that we could just go for a walk or like, you know, we wanted to go for a drive during the week we could. In you know? the middle of the day. I miss yeah. doing things like that. In the middle and of the day. and I do miss that. But I think like it was a, it was a good season that um, just God, you know, I think the one word that I could really say that kind of defines our marriage is just grace. Like God has given us such grace to learn, to um, just learn each other, to grow and just to be around um, uh, good, healthy people. And I think to that, yeah, I also want to say that there were, and I think maybe you could probably say that there were some women that came into your life that spoke some good things. But I know that for me, there were some guys that spoke some really just golden, like, pieces of wisdom, man. Like, older guys. Um, uh, Dan Henderson, who was a part of the Salvation Army. Um uh, Brett Toft. Uh, I'm naming these guys because they actually did speak into my my life. But there was conversation that we talked about marriage. It wasn't all like ministry stuff. And they spoke into uh, me as a husband, not as a pastor. And it was like, oh dang, like like this is this is really good for me right now. Like I needed this. I absolutely needed this. Even there was a few uh, guys who were a little bit older than me. But I would come back to the states and we'd have conversations. And they would say these things to me that I was just like, man, like they don't know what I was thinking or what I was going through. And they spoke some really good wisdom into me. And so I think for um, both of us, there were people that I think, number one, we had to be humble enough to listen to. Yeah. We had to be humble enough to say like, you know, I don't know everything. And to say like, I need help. I want help. And whatever you can share with me, because you're married you've been married and you've been doing this for decades and whatever you can say to me, I want to listen. I want to hear. Like, I remember, uh, <laughs> you know, just you know, being taught by, you know, my dad and other people. If, if you're in a room full of guys and there's a lot of wisdom in the room, stop talking, listen. And I feel like that's something that was a big lesson. And I think both of us trying to just be humble enough to say like, okay, Lord, we want help. We need help. We don't want to fail in our marriage because we know that our marriage is where a lot of the things flow from. So I think that's a big deal. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So next week, we're going to talk about where we're at now in our marriage and the kind of like the differences we see as being a married couple, living the lifestyle 
in Los Angeles. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's such a huge difference. I mean, even now, I feel like we're still, I'm still getting used to being here and all the things that entail living in, in California compared to Europe. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you guys for listening, and we'll be back next week. Uh, like I said, if you're interested in staying connected with us, you can check out nwlachurch.com. That's uh, our church plant here in Los Angeles. Uh, it's online preaching and teaching and small group meetups. And then also we're on Instagram at Chaka underscore at Vanessa MM1. We are private, but you can request to follow us. <laughs> Those boundaries. Yeah. So, yeah, we'll be back on next week. Uh, thanks for listening.